and ask the Spirit of God to uh, speak to our hearts. Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov, B'Shem Yeshua Mishikenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come before you, Abba, asking you to speak to us, to help us, to encourage us, Lord, to fill us with faith and expectation, because you indeed, as we sing today, are good, forever good. God, you're good to us. You're a good God, faithful in all generations. And Lord, that means then you're faithful to us. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We bless you today. So speak to us. We're eager to hear in Yeshua's name. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, pray after me, Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Today, I'm going to be speaking a message entitled, Don't Settle. God has such great and precious promises that he has spoken to us, and far too often we are settling for crumbs when God has prepared a banquet for his people. Settling is not a noble thing, as one might think. We should think of settling as stopping short of God's intended plan for our life. When we settle. See, we think we're like doing God a favor. Like, okay, God, you know, that's okay. You don't have to, you know, halfway is good enough. And though it sounds like perhaps that's a noble gesture, it really is falling, us falling short of what God has planned for our lives. How many of us want what God has fully planned for our lives? <clears throat> Think of B'nai Israel when they were right on the cusp. Think about this. They're right on the cusp of entering into the promised land. They send the spies in, and they're right there knocking at the door. And look what it says in Bamid Bar 14. It says, all through that night, the entire community raised up their voices. The people wept. All B'nai Israel grumbled against Moshe and Aharon. And the whole community, the whole community said, if only we had died in Egypt. Selah. Egypt wasn't the plan, was it? But yet they were longing to die in Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. The wilderness wasn't the plan. Why is Adonai bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be like plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? They said to each other, let's choose a leader and let's go back to Egypt. They were willing to settle for slavery instead of God's plan of a land of promise flowing with milk and honey. Think about what they're saying. They longed to live in a land of slavery. How ridiculous How absurd is that? They longed for leeks and garlic. 
They remembered fondly about sitting around pots of meat in Mitzrayim. B'nai Yisrael was willing to settle for slavery just for the sake of food, even though God promised them a land of freedom that flowed with abundance. We can look at B'nai Yisrael and, and say, I can't believe that they were willing to do that. And perhaps when you read it, that's what you say in your heart. But the truth is, many times we also look to settle for far less than what God has promised us. We settle for jobs we do not like, or we settle to work for less. We settle for relationships that are less than God desires and marriages that are broken. We settle for the absence of sickness in place of a life of health and vitality. We settle for the doctor's diagnosis instead of the promise of divine healing. The bottom line is we are often settling for mediocre instead of the very best that God desires us to have and has in fact promised us. God wants us to have jobs we enjoy and that meet our needs. Amen? He wants our relationships to be mutually beneficial. He wants us to have flourishing marriages. He wants us to be in health and prosper even as our soul prospers. And Adonai Rapha wants us to receive healing by the stripes of Messiah Yeshua. That's what he says in his word. These are the promises, but often we settle for less. And today we're going to be talking about why we settle and not to give in to those things. So sometimes we settle because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are in Messiah. It says in Yochanan 1.12, look what it says. It says, but whoever did receive him, wave at me if you did receive him. Whoever, whoever did receive him, those trusting in his name, to these he gave the right, the privilege, to become children of God. Children of God. We need a revelation of that phrase, children of God. What does that mean? Think about your children. They are children of you and your spouse. What does that entitle them to? Usually, it entitles them to everything. Right? They don't hesitate, mom and dad. Mom and dad, I need, can I have? Mom and dad, can you do? Mom and dad, can you get? And what does mom and dad usually do? Give and do and get. Why? Because those little ones, or maybe not so little ones, are entitled to what you have. Because they're your children. Correct? We are children of the Most High God. See, it's not a good thing not to know who we are. Would it be good, a good thing for a cat... Rebecca, this is for you. 
Would it be good for a cat to approach a Doberman pincer thinking it's a lion? Would it be for a little cat thinking it's a lion? Would it be wise for it to approach a Doberman pincer? Who wants to... For us as believers, it is not a, it's not good for us to walk around thinking and believing we are less than God says we are. The end result will be that we will settle for far less than God has in mind for our lives. We are God's very own children that he loves and cares for and that he sent his son to die for us, not so we can live a mediocre life, so we can live a land in the land of promise, in abundance. I have come that they may have life and have it, not mediocre, abundantly. Abundantly. Ephesians 1 tells us, He predestined us, you, for adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will. He wanted you, is what that's saying. God wants you to experience the full benefit of sonship. He wants you to get everything that he has for you. Isn't that something? And we have got to get a revelation that we are accepted by God with all our shortcomings. That's why he sent Yeshua, so he could take care of our insufficiencies and accept us into his family. Friends, no one knows our imperfections like the Almighty. He's not looking at us and saying, Boy, you're surprising me. Those things you're thinking in your heart, they're shocking. No, he knows who we are, and he knew who we are, and he knew who we would be. And yes, he's working on us, and he's making us better, and we're becoming closer to him and becoming more like him. But in the process, we will never be perfect. So the Mashiach came, so that all our insufficiencies, all of our shortcomings would be covered, so we could have a relationship and be accepted into his family. Yochanan Aleph. We're going to go through a lot of scripture. I have it on the screen, but if you're using your e-book, your e-Bible, feel free to keep up. Um, Yochanan Aleph 3 and verse 1, it says, See how glorious a love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Loved ones, now we are God's children. And it has not yet been revealed what we will be. But we do know that when it's revealed, we shall be like him because we will see him just as he is. See how glorious a love the Father has given us. Friends, I ask that you would pray on that phrase that you would get a revelation of how glorious God's love is for you. That you would not know it up here, that you would know it in here. Because until it's known in your heart, that's the only time it's lived out of your life. See, when you only know it in your head, you look back at it on the shelf and say, yeah, God loves me. But you don't feel like God loves you. But when that revelation, you get it in your heart and it explodes in your heart, it lives through you, the love of God. It's a powerful thing. Love, right? 
The greatest of these is what? Love. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. I don't know if we really grasp as we go through our day-to-day activities that we're God's children. You see, the only wise God, the almighty God, the healing God, the all-knowing God, the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, as long as we do not live in this reality, we will be willing to settle. One author wrote this. He said, now imagine a king's son had been raised in a peasant's home. He would have lived like a peasant, unaware of his birthright. Though he was a prince, he would only expect to experience the life of a peasant. The hardships, poverty, poor treatment, and terrible living conditions. That's exactly how many of us live today. We are God's children. He is the eternal king. But either we don't know or we forget who we are. Now imagine the king's son somehow discovered his true identity and wanted to return to the palace. Would he have to do something to prove he was worthy of being a prince? No. His identity alone would grant him all the privileges of sonship. In the same way, you don't have to earn your way into God's family. Yeshua already did that for you. Like our imaginary prince, you simply have to return to your true place at the king's side. You'll have a few habits to change along the way, just as our prince would have had to learn royal manners. That's simply a matter of putting your behavior in line with your identity. But your identity is a child of the king. You are a prince, not a peasant. Colossians 3 and verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above. You see, because it's those eternal things that are glorious things. Hasatan would want us to settle for mere earthly things, right? You know what earthly joy is? When people do something nice for you and you get a moment of joy. Or people give you something and you get a moment of joy. But eternal joy is when you get the revelation in your heart, the love of the almighty king of kings. And you live in that love day in and day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the joy of the Lord is really and actually your strength. Focus your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. Focus on your true identity as a child of the Most High and all that it entitles you to. Don't settle for mere earthly substitutes. Friends, I, could, I would say this, that you could be living the best earthly life that anyone could ever live. And it pales in comparison to the life that God wants us to experience in Yeshua. To life eternal, it pales in comparison. Sometimes, number two, we settle for second best. And for that, we're going to look at Bereshit, chapter 11, and verse 31. Terah took Avram, his son Lot, 
Haran's son, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Avram's wife, and he took them out of Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah set out from Ur of the Chaldeans, and he settled in Haran, even though he set out for Canaan. He was wanting to go to Canaan. After all, we know that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But he settled in Haran, literally, and he settled for less than what he could have had. Haran is not too terribly far from the promised land. But he settled for second best. From the Mari archives, it is clear that in the 18th century BCE, Haran was a center of semi-nomadic Amorite tribes. The ancient city of Mari, I tried to get a good picture, but I couldn't find a really good one, so I didn't give you a picture, sorry. From about 2000 BC until its demise in 1760 BC, Mari was the capital of the Amorites, an archive of about, listen to this, 15,000 texts from the final years found on a six-acre palace complex provides a detailed insight into the common social, economic, legal practices of the time, and it contained archives that contained administrative legal documents, letters, treaties, literary and religious texts of the day. Think of it I'm going to get back to that in a second. Think of it the future promised land is only a few miles away. And you stop and say I will stay here in Haran. I don't want to go any further. Haran is good enough. This place, Haran, is pretty nice. It's pretty happening. Why should I go any further? Then you miss out on the blessing of God. As nice as it is, it's not Canaan. As nice as things may seem, as comfortable as they are, it's not the promised land. It's not God's best for you. And perhaps you're in a place that's pretty darn good. It's pretty comfortable. It's pretty happening. But it's not God's intended purpose for you. Don't settle for anything less than God's best for you. Even if you have to go a little further, pray a little bit more, Study a little longer. Travel that little bit further. Wait just a little longer. It will be worth it in the end. Sometimes because of impatience, we take this second best. Do you ever go shopping for something and you have something in mind? You Googled it. You did all the research. This is the model I want. And then you go to either Best Buy or Walmart or Costco. Hi, Fred. And you see that they have the brand, but they don't have the model. And you did your research, so you know the model you were looking for was the best model, but they don't have it. And instead of waiting to find the model, you settle 
for what they have. And you buy it and you bring it home and you say, it's pretty good, gets the job done. But it's not the model that you wanted. It wasn't the best that you could have had. Your impatience made you settle for something far less than what you could have had. We do that sometimes. Sometimes, you know what, to be frank, it's a sin that keeps us from God's best. This is the case for Terah. Look what it says in Joshua 24. It says, Then Joshua said to all the people, Thus says Adonai, God of Israel, From ancient times your father Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. You see that? Abraham's, Abraham's father was an idol worshiper. Some say he was second in the command to Nimrod and of course then worshipped the same deities as him. In Hebrews 12.1 it says, Let us strip off every weight, say every weight, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Sin could hinder us getting to that very best place. Canaan is the promised land. Haran is not. Haran is pretty good. But it's not the promised land. It's not the place where the Almighty God would put his very name. Think about that. Who wants to be in Haran? We're doing a congregational trip to Haran. Anyone want to go? Come on, guys. We'll go to Haran. It's nice. We could do a dig at the tell. Anyone want to go? Oh, you don't want to go, do you? What if I say we want to go to Israel? Who's in? Sure, I want to go. Why? Because God didn't put his name in Haran. He put it in Eretz Israel, the land of promise. You see, a weight is anything that hinders your upward movement in God. It could be a relationship, a job, an activity, or a sport. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. A weight can be a good thing. But if you get too many good things in your life, you might fall short of the best thing. You need to learn to say no to yourself sometimes. Sometimes we have to say no to ourselves in order to grow into God's best. God doesn't expect you to do everything. Sometimes less is more. Wouldn't you agree? Listen, it's not good to do, but every once in a while when I'm fasting, I'll run across the food channel. I don't suggest it. Because when you're fasting and watching the food channel, Everything looks really good. But I was recently watching something, and of course the host of one of the shows makes everything he eats look really good. And he was saying that the woman was cooking whatever the dish was, but it was only like three or four ingredients. And he said, boy, it's so simple, but you do it so well. It's delicious. Three or four ingredients. You ever see those recipes? You ever download a recipe online? And there's like 18 ingredients. I've done those. Oh my gosh. 
Da-ding, da-ding. It's like, Carol, do we have this? Do we have that? We need that? We need this? Let's go out to the store. You know, you have to buy those little jars of spices, and they're always like $8 (laughs) that you'll never use again, but you get them because you so desperately want to try the recipe. And often we're like that. We think the more that we do or the more that we get is better. Sometimes simple is best. Sometimes just what God wants to provide for us, just the simple things, the basic things, is where we'll be the happiest. Whatever the weight is, if it isn't working in your life, if it's holding you back from God's promise, you need to let it go. Say, let it go. Whatever the sin is, let it go. It's not worth sacrificing God's best. The end result is that you will settle for less. So I want to give you an opportunity. If you're in this place right now and you never repented of your sins to accept Yeshua as the promised Messiah into your heart, you never said, Hineni, here I am, God, I want to serve the Messiah. This is a great time to do that because the only way we will ever be freed from sin and be called a child of God is through our relationship with the Messiah, Yeshua. So I want you to just pray after me. Lord, Yeshua, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings and my failures, my mistakes. I repent of all these things. And I invite you into my heart and life. I choose to acknowledge you as the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. And I'll follow you all my days in Yeshua's name. If you prayed that and meant that, your life will never be the same. I prayed that one day and my life has never been the same. God changed my life set me free, brought me into new things, a life that I could never imagine he did when I accepted his son. It's a powerful thing. It says in Yaakov 4.17, because we say, you know, what's this with sin? It says, look, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. That's why we need Yeshua's forgiveness so desperately. It's an interesting to note that Haran, remember Terah stopped at Haran. He stopped short of the promised land. But Haran, like Ur, okay, where Terah came from, was also a center of the moon god cult, which many scholars believe that Terah was a worshiper of, probably along with many other deities. But he was sidetracked by his sin to stop short of the land of promise. Don't be sidetracked by sin. Sin has nothing good to offer you except a life of pain and misery. Don't go for its bait. Right? Chava was tempted with that piece of fruit. Some say it's an apple, but we don't know. But she was tempted with a luscious piece of fruit to eat it. And she took the bait, disobeying God. How did it work out for mankind? Not so good. Don't be tempted. The lesson here is that sin, no matter how familiar and fond of it you are, 
or how trivial or small you might think it is, it will always keep you from God's best for your life. Always. One short verse away from Bereshit 11, 31, is Bereshit chapter 12. And God speaks to Avram, and look what he says. We know this one. This is the famous verse we all know. Then Adonai said to Avram, get going from your land, from Haran, and from your relatives. Get away from dad. He's dragging you down. And from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Look at, look at this, and I want you to get this. My heart's desire, God's heart's desire, is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you might be a blessing. That's the covenant that we are part of that covenant. God's desire, his heart's desire is to bless you. Is to bless you. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you will I curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He wants to bless you, and he wants you to be a blessing. It is as if God is saying to Avram, your father may have been willing to settle for a life of idolatry in Haran, but I do not want that for you. I want something better. Get going and inherit all that I have for you, and don't settle for anything less but the land of promise. He said, right, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. You've been long enough in the wilderness, long enough settling for Haran. You've been long enough settling for second best. Go in and possess the land. Obtain everything that my son Yeshua purchased by his precious blood for you to have. Sometimes, my wife did a message years ago, we're clucking around with the chickens. Chickens don't fly well. We're clucking around with the chickens when God wants us to soar like the eagle. The eagle is in the height of heights, flies over the storms, seeing things like God sees them. The chicken is down just boop, 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 getting a few boop, 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 kernels of corn, getting whatever is given to it, is settling for less. But God is saying, I've created you to soar like the eagle to be close to me so you could have all the great and precious promises that my son Yeshua has given to you. It says in Yeshayahu 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes we think the thoughts of men. We're told by our society what should make us happy, right? All those things that they tell us should make us happy and should be our promised land often leave us empty. That's why God says, I want you to have my thoughts and follow my ways because my thoughts are higher than the ways and higher than the thoughts 
that you typically hear. They might not make sense to you at first, but trust me, God is saying, think my thoughts and be blessed like I want you to be blessed. The last reason we settle for less than the abundant life is that we look at our situations that seem impossible. Do you have a situation or two that seems impossible? And then we compare that to our resources and shortcomings. And we say, no way. It's impossible. There is no way I'm ever going to get from where I am to this so-called promised land. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough wherewithal. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. So I better just settle for what I've got and be thankful. And don't get me wrong. We should always be thankful wherever we are in the process from going from Mitzrayim to the promised land. We should be thankful. No doubt. But it doesn't mean we should settle. In believing this way, we fail to understand, number three, that it is God. Say it's God who brings the promise to completion. Listen to this verse, Philippians 1 in verse 6. I love the first three words. It says what? I am sure of this very thing, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Messiah Yeshua. Not maybe, not perhaps, not if you're a good boy or girl, but he will do it. And the shaliach is saying, I am sure this fact, because I know God, that God is a good God, and he will do it in your life. Keep believing in the promise of God for your life. Believe that as a son or daughter of the Most High, you are his joy and his delight, and he wants the very best for you. God delights in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God delights in you. Okay, say it like you mean it. God delights in you. Receive it like it's true. God delights in you. Work on that this week. You didn't sell me. God delights in you, kind of, sort of, maybe, we hope. No, no, no. God delights in you. Blows my mind. God delights in me. In the Middle Ages, sons and daughters of the nobility lived very different life than the peasants did. They enjoyed all the rights and privileges of being nobles without earning any of it. Their privileges were a birthright and had nothing to do with their performance and nothing they could do could change how they were born and what they were born into. That is true for us. We were born again into a living hope, into the Mashiach. Nothing can change what we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are kings and priests, says the word of God. That's who we are. Don't say it's too late for me. 
Don't say, I messed up too many times. Things will never get better. As if it depends on you. As if it depends on what you could do. Your performance, your talent, your ability. It doesn't depend on you. Lamentations 3 says this. I recall to my heart, therefore I have hope. Because the mercies of Adonai will not be consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new. How long? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Adonai is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Adonai is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of Adonai. Because of the mercies of Adonai, I will not be consumed. Don't say I have no time. I'm too old. Past my prime. Those dreams that I had, that I believe God spoke to me, will never come to pass. I don't have what it takes. Well, Matthew 19 says, Yeshua said to them, with men this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. Think of Sarah. She was pretty darn old. And I don't know, ladies, if at 90 years old, you're looking to be with child. Probably not. But we would easily say, quick deduction, she's too old. Past her prime. Never going to happen. It's impossible. And God looked at that situation and said, It's impossible, huh? Maybe I'll step into this situation and make the impossible possible. This is what God is saying to us. Let's agree with God. Don't say, I don't deserve it. Some people say that. Oh, God, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve. You know, other people, the reason they're blessed is because they must be doing something so right. And I must be doing everything all wrong. We think that. We might not say that, but we think that all the people that have it all together, they're doing everything right. And you're the only one that's struggling with this and struggling with that and falling short left and right. Friends, the people that are blessed are falling short just like you every day, all the time. The reason why they're blessed is because they don't think like that. They don't think that They don't deserve it. They believe that they're children of the Most High God and that everything that is available to him is available to them. And guess what? You have not because you... That's not. In other words, you have not because you don't think you deserve it. You won't even ask. Or you ask for it half-hearted. Oh, God, if you want to bless me, bless me. Not knowing that it is his delight to bless you. The scripture says, for whoever touches you, touches the apple of his eye. What do you think of that? What do you think of that statement? Could you imagine a father saying that in front of his children, what his children would think of his dad? Say, son, daughter, if anyone touches you, they're touching the apple of my eye. You would cavell. You would say, that's my dad. What a great dad that is. Wouldn't you? I would. 
That's what God says about us. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. You know, we sing to God in our act of worship, but we, we rarely think that God sings over us, that God delights so much in me and in you, that he's singing songs of joyous exuberance, that you are in his family. I think a revelation of that would change the way you view God. Finally, Yirmiyahu. Well, not finally. Let me give you a barrage of scriptures. Yirmiyahu 32, 41. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Tehillim 103.4, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Tehillim 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Tehillim 103.13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Wowza. Hello. I feel it. I feel like I'm getting a call from heaven. <laughs> Hebrews 9.14 says this, How much more will the blood of Messiah through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will that purify our consciences from works of death so that we may serve the living God? How much more well, what Yeshua did, do that, purge us, our consciences. And, you know, the enemy is showing, listen, we know what the enemy does. He always tries to condemn us, doesn't he? He tells us we're not worthy. He tells us we're dirt. He tells us we're just worthless. He points out our every fault. He says, ah, you, how could God bless that? And look at how you acted toward your family. And look at that car ride to shul. Look at this and look at that and you say to yourself, and your conscience gets clouded and you think, yeah, yeah, he's kind of right. But he's not right. Yeshua's blood, what Yeshua did, makes that a clean slate that we could be understanding that we are accepted by God just the way we are. Amen? In closing... Know who you are, a child of the king. Don't settle for second best and know that it is God who will bring the promise to completion, not our human efforts. I'm going to close with a quote from a book I've read and it says this, live an amazingly huge life with as much adventure power and greatness as you want. After all, Yeshua came to give you this kind of life. He said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. If you aren't living that type of abundant life, go to God and say, God, I'm not going to settle for the life I have until I have that abundant, overflowing life that your word promises. 
That very act of acknowledging where you are in comparison to where God wants you to be is the first step to that abundant living. And God wants you to have it. He wants you to live a big life. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Say, Father, I receive the abundant life in Messiah that you want me to have. Lord, I will no longer settle for second best. I will no longer rely on my own efforts to get me there. But Lord, I believe I am a child of the King and I receive every good and precious gift that you have for me in Yeshua's name. Stretch forth your hand, let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Father, I pray that your peace that surpasses understanding would guard your people's hearts and minds in the name of Yeshua. Lord, that you would bless them with health and prosperity in every way. In this week ahead, and we ask of Hashem Yeshua, and everyone said, Amen. Blessings. Thanks for listening. Shabbat Shalom.